In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Untethered Live on a Sunday night. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this, I just said the name of the show, but it's a Sunday night thing. Hmm. That sounded odd. I retort. Come on in. Take your shoes off. Hey, Kevin and April. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Glad you could drop by. We're going to have some fun tonight. I don't know why my camera is a little blurry tonight. Y'all are just going to have to deal with that. I don't know what it's doing. Some mind of its own. Hello. Good to see you, too. I do not beat April. I know. She probably beats you. Because uh, I know April. <laughs> Something going on with the focus on my camera. It ain't supposed to be doing that. Anyway, I think that's better. Maybe it just needed to reset. Okay. We are in the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Chapter 16, verse 13. That's where we left off last Monday, and that's where we're going to pick up tonight. Now, tomorrow night is a special night. Tomorrow night is Passover. So be here and be ready. We're going to do something unique once a year. We do it once a year, and we're doing it tomorrow night. So be here for that. And also, for those of you that are just joining us, jump over to rumble.com slash untethered live and hit that subscribe button if you would, please. That will ensure an alternative to the censorship of YouTube. I had a video that I did. My last video got censored uh, because I played music in it even though I'm in accordance with the article and section of the law that states that you can use things for fair use, which is, um, see if I can remember this correctly, you can use it for study, you can use it for learning, you can use it for appreciation, you can use it for critique, and you can alter it and make it your own legally long as it doesn't fit, the per and as long as you don't play the whole thing, which I didn't do. Yet it got censored anyway, so we need to get that rumble built up so I can stop having this problem. I subbed to you on rumble. Did you see it? I did. Thank you. Kevin, I'll be right there, love, says April. I did see it. Thank you very much. But there are other people that I need to get to do that also. Because uh, we're almost there. Won't be long. And I'll be able to live stream over there. And then just put my videos on YouTube. And that way if they decide they want to censor it. They'll still be up somewhere else. 
and not censored. I don't like being censored. It's not fair. I'm not doing anything censor-worthy. By the way, I would like for somebody to explain to me how guitar players are supposed to become guitar players if they're not allowed to listen to music. Anybody know? I know everything that I learned, I learned from someone else. I didn't just wake up one day and became a guitar player. You have to go through a, it's a, it's a, it's a process. You find people that you admire and you emulate them. The only way you can emulate them is to hear their music and to copy it. That's how you learn music. Plus, there are like 300 other channels that teach music on the internet. Don't tell me that you're censoring them all because they're still there. Yet my, my, my show gets taken down in certain places. Hmm. That doesn't seem right, does it? Anyway. That won't happen on Rumble. The only thing I have to worry about on Rumble is a situation that I'm not anywhere close to having a problem with, and that is overbooking um, some big name, and I think it was Steven Crowder that joined Rumble, shut the channel down, shut the, the, the platform down because they couldn't handle the amount of people that came to his show. I'm not in anywhere... I'm not anywhere close to having that problem, so... Uh, that won't be an issue for quite some time. So everything else works beautifully on Rumble. Oh my God, seriously? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, they did. April says, hit that like button, anybody that's listening. Well, thank you very much. Why, huh? I don't know why. I'm sub to the Beatson family. And they got over 1 million subscribers. So what does that tell you? Mm-hmm. I don't know what it, what is it supposed to tell me. I don't know who the Beatson family is. What do they do? Are they music? I'd have over 1 million subscribers, too, if I wasn't immediately throttled because I'm a Republican and a Christian. Which wouldn't happen over on Rumble, by the way. But it happens here. I've seen it happen. I'll give you an example. Look up at the number of people that are here right now. Two months ago, that number was quadrupled. It was 30 people here. 20 people, 30 people, 50 people, whatever. Now there's two. That didn't just happen in a vacuum. That's the opposite of growth. That means that somebody's got their thumb on the scales. Somebody, somewhere. I don't know who. You're just, you're just a family that lives in Hawaii, and they stay in Utah also. That they're great mean. That they're great means they're, they're awesome. Hmm. Are they have a twin brother... And his twin brother has a family. Okay. Hey, Brandon, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Oops, I was talking into my phone. Sorry about the predictive texting. Yeah, it sucks. Take that, AI. This is supposed to take over the world. Can't even spell. I'm not worried about AI at all, folks. 
I've already beaten it in a debate with one hand tied behind my back. I'm not at all worried about AI taking over the world. They're, they're nowhere near that. They like to talk big. Oh, look at us. We've, we've created the first artificial intelligence. No, you haven't. You've created a program that sounds convincing, but it's still a program. It's not intelligent. Intelligence is the ability to think outside the box and to make adaptations as you go. They can't do that. It has a prescribed set of answers and questions that it can respond to. But if you go up beyond that, it'll just double back on itself and respond again the same way. Or the opposite way, but still within the same parameter of the question asked. That's complicated, but not intelligence. So there you go. It is phony. It's not real. They are amazing. Check them out when you can. I'll give it a shot. AI is the devil? No, not quite. The devil's much smarter than AI. It may be a vehicle for the devil in the future, but as it stands right now, it's just a curiosity. For example, you know how they're saying on the internet, and I know you've heard this already, that uh, chat GPT-4 has passed the bar in the 94th percentile. Have you heard that? Meaning that it's passed the test to become a lawyer by itself? Here's the problem with that. It's fed the questions and a series of answers. And anybody can A, B, C, D their way through a test and pass it eventually. What they don't tell you, what they don't share with you is how many times it took the test and how many times it failed the test. They only tell you that it passed the test in the 94th percentile. But it already has the answers that it can pick from. That's how AI works. It gets asked a question and then it looks over here to a data bank of answers and finds the most logical one that fits the question. And then it has a few subsets that it can follow that will allow it to be more elaborate. It's very complicated. It is a form of thought, but it is not intelligent. Intelligence is being able to adapt, being able to uh, progress with an idea, to move forward, to look around it, to be empathetic, all of these things. Not something a computer can do. It can only do what it's programmed to do, so that's not the devil. It's not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is in the forehead or in the right hand, meaning what you think and what you do. That's what it means, literally. The right hand is symbolic of the power or the work that you do, and what's in between your forehead and your, your ears is your brain. So whatever you're thinking, whatever your ideology is, whatever your programming is, is the mark of the beast. Same thing with the seal of God is in the forehead, meaning you know the difference between right and wrong. So there you go. That's how that is in a nutshell. And it's much easier to understand when you look at it that way. Don't get bogged down in the mystique of all of it. You know, oh, it's in the right hand. Could it be a computer chip? No, it's what you do, dummy. Don't do anything that's for the devil. And you won't have the mark of the beast. Yes, the devil always tries to counterfeit what's real. That's all he can do. He cannot create anything. He can copy things. He can emulate things. But he cannot create anything. Because he is not God. He's not even man. All the power you give the devil, and he isn't as powerful as you are. 
think about this. Think about all the damage and destruction the devil can do. Yet all you have to do is have one thought and he'll flee from you like lightness in the dark or darkness in the light. All you got to do is say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and he cannot continue. He has to leave. You have more power than the devil has. So anything he does to you is because you let him do it. You see, he's a tempter. The devil is an adversary, which means he can tempt you into doing things, but you have to agree to it. That's the trick. If you don't agree to it, he can't touch you. So don't ever be afraid of the devil. He's a tiny little man. Even the Bible says in the end times when everything is said and done and he's being cast into the lake of fire, it says that people will gather around and go, is that the guy? Is that the guy that caused all this trouble? That little thing doesn't even seem real because that little thing caused all the trouble because you let him. That's why. It's not him. It's you. You are the devil if you look at it in that context. Don't be the devil. Say no. Follow God. Simple. Easy. Amen to that, Jake. Yes. Yep. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's correct. Right on, Brandon. That is correct and it is that easy. There is no more mystique to it than that. There's no magic. There's no spell. There's no secret. Just say no. I'm not doing that. No. That little thought that wheedles its way into your mind. Hey, won't you take that? Nobody's looking. No. Stealing is wrong. See? It's that easy. That little that little voice. That's the devil talking to you. Or God. The yin-yang. The darkness and the light with a little bit of light in the darkness and a little bit of darkness in the light. That's the balance. That's the universal truth that everybody has been pondering over for years and years and years. And it's so simple a three-year-old could understand it. Don't do that. No. And there you go. I have solved the world's problems. Now if you'll just do it. Wonder how come it's not so easy. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Then there's things like hunger or desire. Those things play a big role in people messing up all the time. Jake, much love. You always have the truth. I always speak the truth, but I get it from above. It's not mine, but thank you. I'm just a vessel. I'm the, I'm the middleman here. Just the, I'm the news anchor reporting the news. That's it. Or should I say, share the truth? That's right. Share the truth. It's not my truth. It's the truth. And wise, I love it. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you so much for, for seeing it and for listening to it and for aspiring to be better because that's what I'm here to do. I'm as crooked as anybody else. Believe me. But I try. And that's the difference. All God wants you to do is to try. He already knows you're a sinner he already knows you can't beat that. All you got to do is try. Just make an effort. That's it. It's not that hard, really. It doesn't even matter if you mess up and do the wrong thing anyway. As long as you made an effort, try harder next time. Try a different tact. You'll backslide. You'll fall. 
You'll make mistakes. Know that you made a mistake and own it, and then try something different next time. That's all God asks of you. That's all he wants from you. He knows you're a sinner. That's why Christ came, so that you could have a way out of that. It's a never-ending loop of, of damnation, except for that little exit that says Christ on it. And if you take that exit, you'll come right out of that loop. It's that simple. Now, <clears throat> contrary to that belief, we're in Deuteronomy where they don't know about that yet. And they're required a little bit more than we're required. And it's a little harder on them than it is on us. And a lot of people like to question that. A lot of people like to say, well, what kind of God would allow such and such? Guess what? The kind of God we got, that's the kind. And nothing can change that. Mm, excuse me. Just ate a hot dog. All right. So many people try to complicate the truth. They really do. They try to make it way harder than it is. Here's the problem with it. People tend to think in shades of gray because it softens the edges of things. You know, it makes it easier to fool yourself or to convince yourself. But the truth is black and white. It's cut and dried. If this is the way it is. That's the way that is. And that's hard on people. People don't like that because people have human nature and human nature is think about myself. Let's do something for me. Don't worry about somebody else, you know. Maybe, but me first. Mm -mm. The truth is, and it's so simple, we live in a fallen world. Everything in it is fallen. Everything in it is corrupt. Everything in it is bad. Everything in it will lead you away from God. All you can do is try to avoid it. That's it. That's the only thing you can do. You can't be perfect. You never will be perfect. Nothing in you is made to be perfect. You can't be Christ, even in those holy rollers. I'd like to be just like Jesus Christ. Oh, really? Because they, they tied him to a tree and nailed him to it. Is that what you want? Because that's what being like Christ entails. Um, it's not a pleasant road. It never will be. It's not going to be fun to be right. It's never right. It's never fun to be right. It's always painful for you. Because people don't like people that are right. Because they're not right. And they want you to be like them. They don't want to be like you. So the truth is, you do what you can do. Make do with what you have and you wait. The word in the Bible is tarry. Tarry until Christ returns. That's what you're required to do. Wait. Just wait. Don't get involved. Don't burden yourself with what's going on out there. Just wait. Live your life. Put your head down and wait. You're not a warrior. You're not a, uh, a martyr. You're not a hero. You're a human being. And you got to wait on Christ just like everybody else does. And it's that simple. That's the truth. That's why the truth offends some and sets others free. That's right. You got to listen to it. Abel says, yeah, you know, I watched a video on Elvis Presley stepbrother Billy Stanley he died for 10 minutes and oh boy the rest had me feeling inspired much more now because of his story he's alive now by the grace of God but BTC I don't know what BTC TB TCB taking care of business I got you well I don't know 
Elvis's brother's story. I do know that you don't get to see what happens on the other side until you die. And the people that bring back information ain't telling you what's on the other side because they didn't see it. Because if they're here, they didn't die. Dying means you don't come back. The Bible says that when you die, when the silver cord is parted, that means when the body is dead, then the spirit instantly goes back to the Father who gave it. That's what the Bible says. That means all these near-death experiences means they weren't really dead. They were close to dead, but not dead. Because if the silver cord parted, they wouldn't be in their body anymore, nor would they have a passage back to it. That's the way I understand it. You can believe what you want to believe, but the truth of the matter is, dead is dead. You don't come back from dead. Kind of dead ain't dead. But everybody in a secular world might think you're dead. But if you're still there, if your spirit is still in your body, you ain't dead. I think there's a difference between what the spirit does and what the body does. And it may very well be that all of the vital signs stop. And clinically, that person may be dead. But if their spirit hasn't left it yet, they're not dead. They can come back. They will come back until the spirit leaves. And only God can make that happen. All right. Went from four to two. I'm beyond caring about it. I work too hard to not be appreciated, so screw them if they don't want to stick around and listen. I'll tell you later, the brain stops dreaming within five minutes, so it wasn't a dream. How do you know that? How do you know the brain stops dreaming within five minutes? I'm assuming of death, of clinical death, which does not mean you're dead. What means you're dead is if your spirit leaves your body. Maybe the body is rebooting. Maybe the brain is still functional. You don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows because nobody even knows what the brain is made out of, let alone what it does. They have no idea how it got to be what it is. In the world of brain science, you ask any neurologist... And they will all tell you, I don't have a clue what that thing does. I'm just barely scratching the surface. Well, that's true. Because the brain is the most mysterious thing on planet Earth. That's what doctors say. Well, they don't know anything. They know as much as we know. Maybe a little bit more. They might know what, the, what people have named the little sections of the brain. They might know a little bit about neurons and plasticity and how things work. They have no idea what makes the brain function or what it does or what it means. They don't. They can't even translate brain waves. They know there's a few of them, alpha, beta, theta, whatever. But they don't know what they're for. They don't know how they're transmitted. They don't know what mechanism makes that happen. They know the brain is electrical, but there's nothing metal in the brain, so how can it be electrical? There's nothing that produces electricity in the brain, yet it works on electricity. How is that? They don't know. They know that if they put a magnet to a certain part of your brain, it can interfere with your speech patterns. So, you know, they figured out, well, speech must come from this little area. 
and they know that if you put it over here, that it makes your vision go squirrely. So this must be where vision comes from. But I'm telling you, they don't have a clue what the brain does. Not at all. All the brain scans and giant machines in the world don't tell them nothing. That's the mystery and the power of God. God made this thing, and it is the most advanced, most technological computer, biological computer on planet Earth, or anywhere else for that matter. And nobody knows how it works, or what makes it work, or why it works. Aha, uh-huh, I know. I used to work for a neurologist for five years. Are you telling me that guy knew what the brain did? Or was he just guessing like everybody else is? Brain goes all the way down in your spine. I got news for you, honey. This you may not know. You have brain matter neurons in your stomach and in your heart. Did you know that? You store memories in your heart and in your stomach also. Did you know that? Look it up. See if I'm wrong. That's weird. That's God. God knew what he was doing when he made this thing. And say you, you ever heard the story of the guy that had that javelin stuck through his eye or bolt or whatever it was, and he survived, took half his brain out. Somehow he could still function because another part of his body took over. The brain can rewire itself. And they call that plasticity, but they don't know what that means. They just know that it does that. But who knows how to make that happen? You can't do it on purpose. You can't just like stick a knife in somebody's head and expect them to function. It just happens, you know. Some people have hit their head and woke up the next day and could speak Mandarin or play the piano or some shit like that. They don't know why that works. It just does. There's just the brain has more access than they're comfortable with allowing knowledge to say it has. How can a person that's never been to China or ever met a Chinese person speak Mandarin all of a sudden because of being hit in the head? Because that part of the brain turns on and they're tapped into some form of language center that has nothing to do with what's on physical earth. That means that language doesn't come from earth or from us. They don't want to admit that, but that's the truth. I know you are. I know you're agreeing with me. I'm just talking. I'm passionate about neurology um, because it's such a unique and mysterious thing that nobody has any answers. I've talked to neurologists because I wanted to know certain things. I I wanted to get a brain scan to see what my brain was doing at some point in my life. And what I came away with was disappointing because that guy knew about as much as I knew. And I've never been to medical school. But we're on the same page as far as understanding the brain. So that's disappointing to find out. And it, and he was a specialist. Like, that that's what he did for a living. And uh, it, it actually surprised me how little they know. And then I, as I delved into that subject more... I come to the understanding that nobody knows. that They're all figuring it out, trying to anyway. Now, a heart surgeon knows every inch of the heart. He can stitch little stitches that'll blow your mind because he's able to do it. He knows about valves and all. It's a pump. That's what it does. There is matter in the heart that he does not know about, but they usually cut that out. 
uh, in heart surgeries because it doesn't pertain to the way the heart functions. But that part of that heart is actually what the Bible refers to as the, the, the midsection, the gut, right? The Bible talks about knowing something in your gut. It talks about the center of the body. It's talking about your heart, not your brain. So apparently there are certain things that are stored in your heart and in your gut. And then science found out later that there is neurons in those places. So technically, it's part of the brain. That was news to me, but it was pretty fascinating. It can do powerful things. Practicing physicians means ever learning. Yes. Always learning. Yes. Walter Davis, what's up, my buddy? Good to see you. We're just about to get started. We were just having a discussion on brain power. Oh. If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verse 13. How are you doing this fine evening, Walter? Glad you could drop by. Brandon's here. He's kicking it. April and Kev. Yep, that's it. That's us. Sunday, Sunday. Going to be a slow one today. I had a lame day. The farm, on the farm, working on a broken backhoe. But well, that's not lame. I don't know how to work on a backhoe. That's pretty special. All right. Let's see what the book says. Again, chapter 16, verse 13 in the book of Deuteronomy, and it goes, Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. After that, thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless and the widow that are within thy gates. That means everybody in your household celebrates this seven-day feast, which is uh, culminating in the harvest. It's lame because it still won't start. I got you. We'll try plan B and kick the heck out of it. That always works for me. April says, oh, I'm sorry, hon. You're here now. It's all better. Oh, sweet. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, meaning the temple. Because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. You should be happy when you increase, when your wealth increases, because it's the Lord blessing you that allows that to happen. Again, you can't draw one breath without his permission. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, the, the tabernacle, or the, the temple. In the Feast of Unleavened Bread, unleavened because leaven is symbolic of sin. That's why they eat the flat bread that doesn't have yeast in it. 
and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty, meaning they need to bring a sacrifice when they come. Every man shall give as he is able. You hear that, folks? If you're able, give. If you're not able, don't. Able is the key qualifier to giving. According to the blessings of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. And that's the end of that statement. You give if you're able because the Lord gave to you. It's a reciprocal thing. You're not just doing it in a vacuum. You're not just doing it because you're pious and generous. You're doing it because God has already blessed you. Therefore, you owe him. How do you pay that debt? By giving, by being willing to give. And if you're able, you should give. If you're not able, you shouldn't. Now, who do you give it to? Well, that's the thing. A good rule of thumb is to give where you're taught. If someone teaches you something, that's where you give. Or if someone improves your life, that's where you give. You give because you get. It's reciprocal. Always reciprocal. Everything on planet Earth is symbiotic to something else on planet Earth. There is not one wasted thing. Everything on planet Earth requires something else to survive. And that thing requires something else to survive. And on and on and on. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's reciprocal. You give because you got. That's why. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You appoint a judge, you elect a judge, and that judge presides over his district and judges the people justly that are in it. That's gone by the wayside in this new generation, but it used to be pretty just. Now they're just doing whatever they want to do, I think. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Don't resist it. If you get judged, you take the punishment. Thou shalt not respect persons, meaning don't treat anyone favorably. You judge everybody the same way. And you respect the same way. No favoritism. Neither take a gift or a bribe, for that matter. Don't ever receive softer judgment because you gave a gift that's bad on both sides for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous yes it does because when you get paid you tend to go softer on the guy who's paying you or his agenda gets through. That's what's wrong with our government today is a lot of agenda-driven stuff because of lobbyists and because of special interest groups. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, isn't it weird that the things that are happening today about our government is being talked about in a book that was written 5,000 years ago when no such government existed. So when I tell you that this book 
is the reason our government exists. You can believe that because we based our government and the way that it runs on the principles of this book. And these are the repercussions to how not to run the government. Because if you do it this way, corruption sets in. 5,000 years ago, they knew that. It's amazing, isn't it? Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Because groves are symbolic of something else. That's a way they worshipped in those days. False idols. God doesn't even want it close to where his altars are. Neither shalt thou set thee up any image that includes the cross or the crucifix, folks. No images which the Lord thy God hateth. He does not like it. Take it down. No images. No pictures of Christ that you look at longingly and respectfully. That's just a photograph, and it's not even of the real Christ. Take it down. He doesn't like that. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock or sheep wherein is a blemish or any evil favoredness, meaning if there's anything wrong with it, you don't sacrifice it. If it's got a broken leg or a spot on its face, you don't sacrifice it. It needs to be without blemish, spotless, and clean. For that is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. He doesn't like it. If you're going to make a sacrifice, it better be your best animal. If there be found among you within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God, in transgressing his covenant, that means breaking promises made to God, or his promises to you, and hath gone and served other gods, that means false idolatry, idolatry, worshiping false idols, and worshiped them, either the sun or the moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded. I never told you to do that. Don't worship the sun. Don't worship the moon. Don't look at the stars as if they can predict the future. Stay away from astrology, not astronomy, astrology. And it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true. And the thing certain, you know for a fact, there's somebody in the midst of your company that is worshiping a false idol. It's not a rumor, you know for sure. It has to be certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel. That means the whole of Israel, not just in your little group, but anywhere else either. Then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, that shalt st and shalt stone them with stones till they die. Get rid of those people. Those people are not of God. Those people have chosen a wrong path. Why? Because you have seen God with your own eyes, these people. They have listened to his commandments firsthand. They have no excuse to be trapped 
into believing in a false god that they have not heard. And card readings to question mark. What do you mean? Be more specific. These people, though, they don't have any excuses. They can't claim ignorance or uh, miseducation. They saw it. They know God exists. They know God is pulling for them, and they know when they're being blessed by God because he's blessing them firsthand. And if those people who have seen God still want to go worship false gods, and they need to be stoned to death, period. That's capital punishment. That is a capital sin. God doesn't want you to do that. He didn't create you for that purpose. Get it through your head. You are the property of God. You don't have autonomy in that area. You have autonomy in everything that pertains to you. But when God tells you to do something, you do it. Willingly. Period. Simple as that. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Why? Because one person will lie to you. Two people separately won't lie to you because they might tell different stories. And three people, ba-ba-dang, you got a truth. Terror cards, mm, terror cards are bad, baby. Terror cards are tied in with astrology, and they are not of God. They cannot predict the future. And if they do predict the, predict the future, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You allow it to tell you which way to go. That's the same as using rolling dice to make decisions. Make the decision with your own brain. You don't need a card to tell you what to do or what's coming. Look around. Ask God. He'll answer all your questions. Take your terror cards and throw them in the trash and get them out of your house. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So thou shalt put the evil away from among you. Now, <laughs> why make the witnesses cast the first stone? Well, because it's one thing to lie about somebody, but it's a whole other thing to go up there and personally take their life. You got to be certain that they're guilty to make that kind of commitment. So that's why. It's proving the witnesses as well as the guilty party. And then this whole thing about stoning them to death. If people see you doing that in public, it won't be long before that behavior will stop happening around you because nobody wants to be stoned to death. So this is the way you end those practices. If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, between blood and blood, between two people who are related, and it's too complicated to judge, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then thou shalt arise and get thee up into a place which the Lord thy God shall choose, the temple, and thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. That is the person who is closest to God. You go to somebody smarter than you in the temple, 
and ask their opinion. They're, they're older and wiser and have lived longer. And if it's too much for you to make the decision on, you confer with your colleague, and the two of you will come to a decision. And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of the place, which the Lord shall choose, shall show thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. Why? Well, because you can be sure that those words came from God. That's why. Because if they're in the temple, if they're a Levite, they've already been chosen to work for God, by God. God will tell them what to do. Give them the right answer. And when you go inquire into them, they will give you the right answer. And then you go do the right answer. Because that's your job as a judge. According to the sentence of the law, which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show thee to do right, uh, sorry, to the right hand nor to the left hand, meaning don't go in either direction. You do what they tell you to do. Don't err on either side. You do exactly what they tell you to do. Why would they know what to do beyond God telling them? Well, because they're high priests, which means they are well-versed in the law. They have studied it their whole life. They know it better than you do. You were just appointed to be a judge. They are steeped in the law from day one. That's what they do. That's what that family line does. That's all they do. So when that guy can explain the law to you clearly, you are in no position to argue with him because he is the authority on the matter. That's why you have a high priest to be the authority on the matter. That's why you have a pastor to be the authority on the word, to teach you what you do not know. See how that works? And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. So if you get a corrupt judge that doesn't want to follow the law and tries to err on the side one or the other, then you kill the judge too, period. Get those people away from you because that's not just law. That's not how the law is designed to work. The law is perfect. People are flawed. So you have that problem occasionally. And all the people shall hear and fear. That word is terror, not reverence. And do no more presumptuously. Don't presume to know what to do when you don't. Don't act presumptuously. Act on faith. Act on knowledge. Not presumption. Not assumption. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. Jonas Trips, welcome to the show. And thanks for the subscription, by the way. Howdy, howdy. Come on in. Take your shoes off, set a spell. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. When you choose a king or a leader, you choose from among the people you wish him to lead. You don't appoint a stranger or someone who is not a citizen to be a king. Why? Because that person doesn't know 
the intricacies of this group. The brother does. That's why you pick from among the people in the group. Again, this is before Jesus. This is Old Testament. Some rules may not apply today that applied then. I'll point them out as we go. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt. That means to become slaves again. To the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord saith to you. Ye shall henceforth, henceforth, I can talk, I'm not having a stroke. Ye shall henceforth return no more that way, meaning becoming slaves. Never allow a king that you've appointed to lead you astray to a, to the point where your land is about to be conquered and be you put back into slavery. These are a free people. They have liberty, libertatum, meaning freedom from oppression. They have been set free by the, the powerful hand of God. They've been given this land, which we call Canaan today, and uh, or the, the, the west part. Or, yeah. And... Uh, on the right side of Jordan. And they've been given that land to rule it and possess it. It's theirs. Nobody can conquer them. They have beat all the enemies around about and all the people within the land, and they are free. Never let someone lead you back into slavery or back into bondage because that's not what this was all set up for. <clears throat> Neither talking about the king, shall he multiply wives unto himself. Oops, Solomon. That his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Whoops, David. So you see, <clears throat> excuse me, men have always had a problem with these situations. Men are human beings. Men have issues. And one of them is women. And the other one is money. And they have always sought to, great, to, to build power and to build riches. That's not what a king is for. Think about that. Have you ever known of a leader that wasn't rich? Did you know that God did not want his leaders to be rich? He wanted them to be just like everybody else, <clears throat> on the same level as everybody else. That's what a real king does. His power does not come from him. It comes from God. And a real king will lead by God, not by himself. A real king will tell you he has no power, save that that was given to him, granted to him by Almighty God. <laughs> David was the first, actually Saul was the first king set up by God. And Saul was a great king until he let his lifestyle overtake his intelligence. And when he became more interested in being king than he did being leader of the people, uh, he went down very quickly, and David replaced him. And then the same thing happened to David, in a manner of speaking. Although David kept his righteousness just barely, he made a few mistakes too. And so did Solomon. No king has ever been perfect. So don't ever think that that's what the Bible is insinuating. It's not. Actually, the truth of the matter is, is God didn't want Israel to have a king at all. It was Israel that wanted a king. 
They wanted somebody they could see and talk to and manipulate and control. They didn't want God, the unseen, to be king. That's what God wanted, though. But God relented. He said, okay, fine. If you keep bitching about it, if you want a king, this is what's going to happen if you get a king. You're going to lose your sons and daughters to war. You're going to be subject, subjugated to his whims, so forth. And later in the book, it'll list all this out, all the things that you're going to lose of your freedom by having a king. But if that's what you want, so be it. I'll set you up a king. And they wanted it. They asked for it earnestly. Please, God, let us have a king that we can talk to and touch. Fine. They got Saul. And you know how that story turned out. So God wanted to be the king. He wanted you to answer to him and nobody else. It's not too late. We can turn back to that. But you got to be willing to listen to God. Simple as that. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law, the law that I'm saying right now, says Moses, in a book out of that which is before the priests of the Levites, meaning right in front of all the people, he's going to copy the law down so that everybody knows he's got it right. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear that's reverence, not terror, the Lord his God, to keep all of his words of his law of this law and these statutes to do them. So a king is supposed to be every day of his life with his nose in that book, making sure he understands the laws of God. How many of them you think actually do that? But that's what they're supposed to do. That his heart not be lifted up above his brethren, that he stays on the same playing field with his brethren, the people, his subjects. He's not supposed to be above them. He's supposed to be among them. Also, not something kings typically do. ATL, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. <coughs> and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. You keep the commandments. You don't err on either side, good or evil. You stay with what the commandments say. To the end, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. If you follow the law, you'll have a long life and you'll have a good kingdom. If you don't follow the law, you'll quickly be destroyed and subjugated and put back into slavery. It's as simple as that. The priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire as his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance as he hath said unto them. So now pay attention. The Levites, one of the 12 tribes that's that's 11 tribes that get inheritance and one tribe that does not. Why? Because they inherit God Almighty. They get to talk to God. They get to work for God. That's their job. And because they work for God, all the other 11 tribes take care of them. There are sanctuaries in every city where they can go and stay for free. They get to eat the, the meat from the sacrifices. So they get fed for free. They get taken care of just like you take care of your pastor they get taken care of because they're their pastors. 
They work for God. So the people take care of them. This is in the law. It's biblical. It's correct. This is how you should live your life. Now, they don't get any land. They don't get frivolous things. They don't get lots of money. They get taken care of. That's all they're asking for. Period. And this shall be the priest's due from the people. That word due means payment. The people pay the priests. Why? Because they do the work that ensures that these people don't go too far astray from God. That's why. That's what the word due means. It's a payment. It's a, a tithe. It's an offering. It's a whatever. From them that offer a sacrifice, whether it be ox or sheep, and they that give unto the priests the shoulder and the two cheeks and the maw, which is the, I don't know what a maw is, but it's part of the animal. Okay, hold up. What is Shiva? I don't know, other than false deity. There is a Shiva in uh, Indian religions. That's the only one I know of. ATL says Jewish school. I think I spelled it right. No. Yeshiva is not Yeshua. Yeshua, Joshua, is the name of Christ. That's his birth name, Joshua, not whatever that is. That is allegory because the first general of Moses' army was also named Joshua. So it kind of goes hand in hand because that was a type for Christ, much like many other people have been types for Christ until he came, like John the Baptist. Interestingly enough, also a J name. J's aren't in that language. Why do they keep naming people with J's in their name? Well, because it is significant. You see, there's been three times in the Bible that God physically changed the name of something. Abraham's name used to be Abram until God breathed life into his life. And then he put the sound in his name. Sarah's name was Sarai until he put the in her name. On and on and on. Simon was changed his name to Peter. I don't know the significance of the name changes, but I know that God does that, and he does it for a reason. And when he changes their name, their lives are different from that point forward than they were. Now, here's the tricky thing. When the angel of God came down to Mary while she was with child, he told her, you're going to have a child. It's going to be the son of God, and you're going to name him Christ? Nope. Emmanuel is the name he gave her to give this boy. Emmanuel. So what does she do? When the baby's born, she names him Joshua. Now, I don't know why. I would assume that both of those names have the same meaning, different languages. That's an assumption. I don't know that to be true. But I know she didn't name him Emmanuel, which is what the angel told her to name him. Interesting that. Anybody got any more info on that? Let me know.
Yes, after the covenant, they changed their names. But I'm not talking about them changing their names. I'm talking about God changing their names. Do you know why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, ATL? And do you know why he then stopped him from doing it after he told him to do it? I bring it up because you brought it up, and this is a bone of contention for many Christians who don't understand why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, why, they, why God would ask anybody to do such a thing. What's up, Caucasian Sasquatch? Good to see you, my brother. But do you know the reason for that? Could you elaborate? I'll do it for you. Even back then, as God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations... God knew what needed to be done. He knew that he was going to have to sacrifice his only begotten son to cover all sin. And quite frankly, he wanted to know if these people were worth it, if they were willing to do the same for him. So he then asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, and without question, Abraham chose to do so. Took his son up to Mount Sinai and intended to sacrifice him there. And there God provided what? A sacrificial lamb so that he didn't have to lose his son. He did it again when Jesus was born. He provided that sacrificial lamb for everybody. But back then, he was thinking of what he was going to be doing up here in the Bible. That's why that happened. It has nothing to do with sacrificing one son for the faith of God. God just wanted to know if Abraham was willing to do what he was already willing to do. <clears throat> it could be easily spoken this way. A good leader never asks his man to do something he hasn't already done himself. And that's exactly what that was about. Right, if he would do it. That's right. Yep. All right. Onwards. The first fruit or the best of your crop or your animals, in this case, corn... The first fruit also of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and the first of thy fleece of thy sheep, shalt thou give him. That's the best of what you have. The first that comes, and the best of that goes to them. For the Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all thy tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. Forever, that means even now. The Levites are the ones who do the teaching. And if a Levite come from any of thy gates out of all Israel, where he sojourned, and come with all the desire of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose, the temple, then he shall minister in the name of the Lord his God, as all his brethren, the Levites, do, which stand there before the Lord. That means no matter where he goes, he gets to do what he wants to do, and he ministers while he's there. That's his um, past to be there, his ministering. I'm glad you feel better there, Brandon. 
You're editing, huh? Cool. I'm glad you know how to do that. They shall have like portions to eat besides that which cometh of the sale of his patrimony. What does that mean? Patrimony. That is him teaching the word of God and his payment for doing so, which is the tithes. Meaning, even after that, he gets the same thing to eat that everybody else gets. That's what a Levite, that's the, the inheritance the Levite gets. He gets taken care of. He gets paid for his work and he gets fed. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Don't go into a nation and learn their traditions. You bring your tradition into that land and you stick to it. Get away from the people that have other traditions. Why? Because they're not of God. You are. Simple as that. And if you learn their traditions, you're going to end up falling for their traditions, and then you're going to end up falling away from God, which is not what you're supposed to do. <clears throat> there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh this son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Pass through the fire. This is a um, in the midst of the fire or the pyramid. This is the thing that used to be done in worship of a false god, Balaam. And a lot of people in Canaan were practicing this, which is part of the reason they lost the right to be in Canaan, uh, um, among other evil sins that they were committing. They were passing their children through fire. We have the same practice today, only we call it Planned Parenthood. It's a little different, but it's the same practice. It's sacrificing the child for the wealth of the parent. You understand? Same practice. Same false deity gets credit for it, by the way. Keep that in mind as you make those decisions. That being said, all sins can be forgiven. So if you've already made that decision, ask for forgiveness and move forward. Think no more about it. If you believe in God, then you believe he will forgive you of your sins. And if you believe you are forgiven of your sins, you don't need to think about it ever again because you're no longer guilty of it, period. Or that useth divinations. Divinations is like spells or incantations that cause things to occur. You're not supposed to do that either. Or an observer of times. This is astrology. That's looking up at the stars to measure them to find out what's going to occur at certain points. You're not supposed to do that either. Or an enchanter, someone who can speak things into existence. A spell caster, someone who speaks and something occurs. Wizardry. Or a witch. A witch? Mm-hmm or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. What is a familiar spirit? Okay. In the Bible, there is no such word as demon. This is a word that we invented to describe something we did not understand. This is an added addition to the Bible. It is not in the original texts. There are no such thing as demons. There are, however, familiar spirits, fallen ones. A familiar spirit 
The word demon, by the way, means knowledge, just in case you want to know that. It does not mean of the devil. It means knowledge to know. Gnostic demon. Anyway, a familiar spirit is a spirit that you recognize. Not your loved one, but a spirit within a spirit's recognition, meaning that you know this spirit, your spirit knows this spirit because you were once in heaven together. And that spirit has fallen. Your spirit did the right thing, was passed through this life, which is what God intended us to do. But the fallen spirits didn't pass through this life. They went straight to follow Satan, Lucifer. So that's what a familiar spirit is. And anybody that talks to those things, they're not talking to your dead grandma, I promise. They're talking to something of Satan. Or a wizard, that's the same thing as an enchanter, someone that can spell or speak. Think about casting a spell. We use the word spelling to talk about casting words out of our mouths to cause ideas to flow. We write them down on parchment. Think about those words. Think about what they mean. Or a necromancer. A necromancer is one who can bring the dead back to life or claim to or someone that works in the dark arts of death. Yes, well, the Witch of Endor was a particular demon that claimed later to be Samuel the prophet and uh, was not, or what she conjured was Samuel the prophet, but he was not. And she was speaking to Saul, the first king, who left his habitation and went seeking after the dark arts because he was afraid he was going to lose a war. So he went and asked for to speak to Samuel the prophet, who's been dead for quite some time now, and they conjured up some familiar spirit who claimed to be Samuel the prophet and told him he was going to die the next day. So that's what he got out of that deal. That's the witch of Endor. And she should have been stoned by him immediately. And now you're speaking of the book of Enoch, talking about angels teaching men spells and incantations, war and makeup and mixing of herbs and Stuff like computers. That is correct, Branded. Yes, and he died for it. He probably wouldn't have died had he not done that. But because he went and did that, God took his kingdom away from him and gave it to David, and he lost his life in a gruesome fashion. (laughs) I'll shut up. I talk too much. Nah, it's all right. Go ahead. Just remember, you came to listen to me talk. (laughs) For all that do these things, meaning spells and incantations and talking to familiar spirits and necromancers and charmers and enchanters and so forth and so on, are an abomination unto the Lord. What is an abomination? It's a thing that God hates. He uses the word hate, which is a powerful word, about these things. You don't want to be on that end of doing those things. Because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. That's the reason you're able to take this land and possess it, because the people that are in it have committed these abominations. Many, many, many years of it. 
and now they have lost their lease on the land, and God sent in a new group to cleanse the land of their lives and take it for themselves. That's what happens. That's called conquer and divide, or divide and conquer. And God practices it. There is no such thing as a people that owns a land. The only people ever to own a land are the Israelites and Canaan. Everybody else is just there until they get conquered by somebody bigger than they are. Simple as that. That's why it's very important to keep our military strong, folks, and keep all this nonsense wokeness out of it. Because if all the Chinese have to do is holler the wrong pronouns in our direction and it causes everybody to melt down and freak out and they win the war, that's not a good military. That's my opinion. Listen to Google. They know what they're talking about. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations, which thou shalt possess, hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, you, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. There is what I just said in a nutshell. For these nations, the places where I'm sending you to go, Canaan, the group of lands that are called Canaan, the people there have done these things. They've hearkened unto observers of times, and they've listened to diviners, and they've cast spells and passed children through fires. And But for you, I don't want you doing that. Don't do that. God doesn't suffer you that permission. Don't mess with these things. They are forces that are above you. They're above your pay grade. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, from the tribe of Judah, of thy brethren like unto me. Who? Unto God. What is this just said in the, a book that's 5,000 years old that was written about 2,000 years before Christ's birth? What does it say here? The Lord thy God. This is coming out of the mouth of Moses, by the way, while he was alive. The Lord thy God will raise up a prophet from the midst of thee, from within your twelve tribes, the tribe of Judah, of thy brethren like unto me, someone who is close to God. Unto him ye shall hearken. You shall listen to this guy. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, that's the mountain where the angels fell, by the way. It's also the place where uh, Aaron died. In all the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. Why would anybody want to say something like that? Actually, this person that Moses is referring to is Isaiah which will come later in and be like him. But Isaiah, oddly enough, is a type for Christ. He does a lot of the same things that Christ does. He teaches the same message that Christ does. Only Christ perfects it. Christ is the end result, which also, by the way, comes from the tribe of Judah, the king line. His mother was 50% Jewish and 50% Levitical. She had perfect DNA. 
She was 100% king of kings and lord of lords, and her offspring would be the son of Almighty God. That's why God chose her and took favor on her, not because she was a sweet young hottie, but because she had perfect DNA. And it took from Seth to Mary to get that DNA back like it was in Abel. Perfect. A lot of breeding going on to get back to this place. That's why God chose her. And the Lord said unto me, Moses, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my word, says God, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him, meaning they will die. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. You don't listen to somebody just because they tell you God said, sent them, because if God ain't talking to them, they are blaspheming. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what that means. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't tell somebody that he told you something when he did not tell you that. If God ain't speaking to you, you don't claim to be speaking for God because that's taking his name in vain, period. It ain't the GD word for you simpletons out there. That's just a phrase that means nothing unless you point it in somebody's direction. By the way, it's God that does the damning, not man. So there's that. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How are we supposed to tell? How can, I mean, if you're speaking to a man and he comes to me and tells me what you said, fine, I'll listen to it. But if a man comes up and tells me you told him something, how am I supposed to know? I can't hear you. That's what this sentence is about. If thou say in thine heart, if you think in your heart, these words, which are supposed to be from God, how do I know he said them? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. How do you judge a man? You judge a man by the fruit he bears. You judge a man by the work he does, by the influence he has, by the friends he keeps, by the clothes he wears, by his character. And if I tell you that God said so-and-so and you think I might be lying to you, then you pay attention to the result. If it don't come to pass, then I was lying to you. You see? A lot of people have come and said, the end is here. We must prepare and go get on the UFO with our shoes on. That guy didn't come from God, and that did not come to pass. But if the thing I say to you comes to pass, or if you could see evidence of it is truth, then you know that I'm a man of God and that God told me to say that. That's how you know. You look for the evidence of the thing hoped for. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence 
of things you cannot see. You can't see God. You can't know that a man of God is from God unless you can see the evidence. That's what you look for. You look for the fruit he bears. An evil man will not have any fruit. Certainly none you can use. That's the answer. Listen for people speaking presumptuously. Thank you, MBTV. Nod. Why are you saying nod, Branded? Uh, no. Uh, uh. Nod is a wandering in the desert. Or it's a city, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> if God wants to say something to me, he does himself, LOL. Well, not always. Sometimes he picks a person to talk for you. That is true. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. It also tells you how to treat those people. Usually with a lot of respect and obeisance, but I'm just saying. Right on. Well said, Jake. Thank you, ma'am. A lot of self-proclaiming prophets on YouTube. That is a fact. I am not one of them. First thing you look for is a man telling you he's a prophet. That's the first red flag. God don't send prophets anymore. The time of prophets is over. And the end times, it says sons and daughters will prophesy, but it's referring to the end times, which means every prophecy will be about the return of Christ, period, nothing else. So those that's a different category of prophesying. Any man that tells you he's a prophet is lying through his teeth. God did not send that person. I do say that I let God do the talking. That's not the same thing. That's not what I'm proclaiming. I'm assuming that because I've done the research, because I've done the work, because I've read the Bible, that the answers will come when I'm questioned. You understand? This is not God acting. This is me acting. I did the work. I got it in my head. What God does is allow me not to make the mistake of saying the wrong thing. He allows my thoughts to be clear. He allows me to be able to teach. This is a permissive thing. God gave me the permission to teach. How do I know he did that? Because he hasn't shut me down yet. That's how I know. And I pray all the time that if I say the wrong thing or mislead anybody, make the, my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth and shut me down. I do not want to be responsible for somebody else's soul. Do not let that happen. I pray all the time for that every podcast. I pray that he, he does the talking. That's not the same thing as a prophet. I'm never claiming that. Never think that. I just happen to have an understanding of the words that I've read because I've done the research. It's as simple as that. 30 years of it. <laughs> when the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, that's Canaan, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their cities and in their houses. Meaning they don't even have to build cities or houses. It's all there. All they got to do is kill the people and they can take the land or run them out. They don't even have to kill them. They can run them out. There are some that God says to kill, but most of them, they can either inscribe them, make them slaves or run them out or live amongst them. Either way, they're taken over. It's their place now.
accords a respectful, silent Western acknowledgement. Right on. Hmm. Thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee away and divide the coasts of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit into three parts, that every slayer may flee thither. Now this is referring to the sanctuary cities. That means if a man gets accused of killing somebody or if he accidentally kills somebody in the way of working or whatever, and he's to be judged, well, the family is customary to go kill the man that killed their sibling or their loved one. Well, he can run to this city and stay there and be safe. This is a Jewish thing, meaning that until trial, you can't touch this guy as long as he's in this sanctuary city. You can't go kill him. If he leaves that city, you can kill him. But as long as he's there, he's safe. This is a interesting way of doing business, but um, that's what they did in those days. And that's what they're referring to here. And this is the case of the slayer, which shall flee thither, that he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly, meaning he didn't mean to. It wasn't an act of violence. It just happened. Something happened and somebody got killed. Whom he hated not in the time past. And when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbor to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth the stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the heave, and lighteth upon his neighbor that he die, meaning the head of the axe comes off and hits his neighbor in the head, then he's dead, he shall flee into one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer while his heart is hot and overtake him because the way is long and slay him, whereas he was not worthy of death, inasmuch as he hateth him not in times past, meaning... This guy did not commit premeditated murder. Something occurred. The guy gets killed. It was an accident. Well, the people that love this man don't see it that way. They see you as the murderer of their loved one, and while they're upset, they're going to try to kill you. Well, you can run to one of these sanctuary cities and be safe until trial. Once you reach trial, then it is found out that you're not worthy of death, and then all is forgiven. But if you find out that you are worthy of death, then death is committed. It's as simple as that. This is the way they did business. I don't know if I like it, but that's the way God wanted it done. So that's the way it got done. <sighs> Test everything to see if it's from God. That's right, Brandon. Judge a man by the fruit he bears. Wherefore, I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee. Meaning in every place, every place. Land, there should be three cities dedicated to be in sanctuary cities for the fleer, so that there can be a place to go to be safe. Accident. Correct. Weird, but correct. <laughs> Dent in the head from an axe? That's right. And if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coasts. Coast. 
as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, and give thee all the land which he promised to give unto thy fathers, if thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, says Moses, to love the Lord thy God, and walk ever in his ways, then shalt thou add three cities more for thee, besides these three, that's six cities, that innocent blood be not shed in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and so blood be upon thee. In other words, don't, don't spill innocent blood for any reason. Make provisions, make an allowance for people who are innocent to be safe so that their blood not be shed. Aha, that explains it all right there, says April. And this is where we're going to stop for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up next Sunday on 1911, as tomorrow is Passover. And I want you all to come be with me on Passover. We're going to read from the book of... Uh, I forget which book it's in right now. It slipped my mind, but it's the talking about the uh, death angel passing through the village, and we're going to read from the Last Supper, and then we're going to do communion, just like the Bible says to do. Christ said, take ye and eat, do this in remembrance of me. That's what we're going to do tomorrow. You can either join in, you can sit and listen, or you can avoid the whole thing. It's up to you, but I hope that you will join in and show a little appreciation for the message that God has given us for this past year in these words, because they are of God and they are for you. So come on, be part of that with me, why don't you? I hope this read has touched your heart. I hope that it's encouraged you to dig ever deeper, to find more information about the Father whom you should follow and why you should follow him. And having said that, would you please do me a favor and go over to rumble.com slash untethered live and hit subscribe over there. Help me build the channel up so I get 25 subscribers. I can start live streaming over there and it'll help me with this censorship problem that I seem to be having at the moment with YouTube. So please do that if you would. And also, hit the subscribe button right here and press that bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's effortless. It's right in front of you. And it really does help the channel with algorithms and it helps us get recommended to other people. So won't you do that, please? Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave a comment down below and let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid. As long as you're thinking critical, that's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And hey... If you love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here, and if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings to the place where you're taught, or if you'd like to just help me out and keep the lights on around here, or just pat me on the back and say, hey, nice job, Jake. Here's a little token of my appreciation. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash Jake Johnson Band. Or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. Your token of appreciation will help me eat, so it's worthy. And I am doing everything in my power to be worthy of that support and worthy of your appreciation and worthy of your patronage. So please help out if you can. If you can't, don't worry about it. It's all for you. It's all good. It's all for God. Have a great night, and I thank you so much for being here. Now, I will round out this video by taking all of your questions and comments as I do. What time be 8.30 tomorrow, Walter, or Brandon, or whoever asked that? Is Walter. 8.30.
Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is 8.30. Sunday is 8 o'clock. Thank you, April. I'll try the rumble thing again. Maybe I can get it figured out. It's not that hard. Just go over there and make you a little an account and go to my channel and hit subscribe. Um, the account ain't really hard to come up with. It's free. So, you know, takes about five minutes to set up, maybe. You don't have to put anything on it if you don't want to. It is the next big thing, so you're going to want to have a Rumble account at some point. Might as well do it now, because it's going to overtake YouTube at some point in the near future. If you-know-who don't step in and put a kibosh on the whole thing like they did with Gab. But I think Rumble's got some hefty investors, and all the big names are heading over that way. Steven Crowder just went over there, so, you know, it, the future is coming to that platform. And they are much freer than YouTube is and much less sensitive, censorship heavy. April says, hit that like button and subscribe and share. Sweet dreams all. We love you all true. Well, I love you true also. And thank you for those who choose to support my work. I appreciate you immensely. You do help out more than you know. And also, send your mail off. Jesus. I keep telling, it keeps telling me my username is invalid. Don't understand. I'll try another one. Either that or try using your email address. That's what I did. I used my email address. That may be what it's asking for. Also, it may not allow you to put spaces in your name. So it may, you may have to take the space out of between 64 and branded. Or put an underscore, maybe. I have a Rumble account, but trying to get into it, Rumble is asking for a PayPal account number. Hmm. Never asked me for that. But if it's asking you for that, give them your PayPal account number. If you don't have one, get a PayPal account number. It's free also. We do what we have to do to survive, folks. It's not a hard thing I'm asking for. And the only reason I'm asking for it is because I want to tell you the truth and not be censored for it. I hope you appreciate that. That's what I'm after. It's not that I want to go to Rumble. I'd like to build everything right here on YouTube. But apparently, they they don't want people like me. That's why they're throttling me, and that's why they're, you know, pushing me around. Don't do it. Don't do what? Don't use PayPal. I use PayPal all the time. It never let me down. I wouldn't uh, attach my bank account to it, but just to use it as an internet source of income, I mean, they'll send you a credit card and everything for free. It's pretty useful, actually. And it's a lot cheaper 
to go through PayPal than it is to say go through the super chat function on YouTube. They take 30%, YouTube does. PayPal takes 3%. So it's a whole lot cheaper. Just go to Jake's link. Look under about. You'll find it there. Yeah, I, they didn't ask me for a PayPal when I signed up either. I do put my PayPal in if I want to purchase something from them because, you know, PayPal is a paid site. You've got the free section and you got the paid section. The paid section has more benefits. And if you're doing that, then it will ask you for a PayPal account. But if you're doing the free side, it shouldn't ask you for anything. And I agree with you, MVTV. It is fishy that they're asking for that because they didn't ask me for that until I went to use, you know, the more upscale stuff. But I still haven't paid for anything. It's still free. The link I posted was from the description, plausible deniability. Good for you. That is the proper link. It's uh, rumble.com slash untethered live. Any other thing in there, and it ain't my website. And as far as setting up an account, like I said, they didn't ask me for anything financial, so I don't know why they would be asking you unless you're trying to sign up for a premium account. Then they'd want some money, and I don't know how much that is. What I've done... I've got it spoofing my YouTube account. So every time I upload a video to YouTube, it automatically uploads to Rumble. And so that's the only action I have on that. Now, when I reach 25 subscribers, I'll be able to live stream from there. They, they won't let you live stream until you got 25 subscribers because it costs money for the bandwidth. So they got to have at least a, s a certain amount they can pitch ads to. I would imagine that's what that is all about. But, uh, MVTV says, nor I, but they may see WD, that's Walter, as a candidate for upgrade or a quick sell, or they're pushing it today, or who the heck knows. Yeah, it may be a thing they're just doing today. I don't know. I, all I know is is that it, it's a free site and it doesn't require any money So to have an account there. And then depending on what you do there, it may cost some money, but. Just to have a regular account to put regular content, it's free. Unless they change that and I hadn't noticed. I do have it here. I can pull it up and look. I'm on uh, Rumble right now and I don't see anything that's suggesting that I pay them anything. Yep. Nothing there. So it must be a thing. <clears throat> Didn't ask me when I set up the account. The account. I used a bit. Got a new phone and got the problem. Ah, so they may think you're trying to go premium on them. That may be what it is. But if you've already got the account, just log into that account and it should be fine. Don't try to do anything new, you know. 
And then when you're in your account, just go over to my page and hit that follow button. Took me a while to figure out their platform, though, because it's a little weird. It doesn't have a subscribe button. It has a follow button. And then it has a little plus and minus sign down at the bottom, which is the equivalent to the like buttons. But I didn't know that at first. I didn't know what the hell that was. And it's got a little eye. I don't know what that's for either. And I don't know what a rumble is. So go figure. <coughs> Any questions, comments about the stuff we read tonight? Any uh, <coughs> deep catharsis? Pretty self-explanatory, I think, but one might have a question. By the way, we do have a rather famous person who just subs subscribed to my channel this weekend, and that guy is Prey 5 If you happen to watch this video, hello and welcome to the show. We like you. I like your content. I watch you all the time. It's a Star Trek thing, just in case you didn't know. It seemed like it was... For me to get paid, but my PayPal is real old, not used, and don't remember the password. Oh, so that's if you're trying to monetize your channel, they want to have a place to send your payments to. That's all that is. If you're not interested in doing that, you don't have to do that, I don't think. All my content on Rumble is monetized, but I, ha I don't get nearly enough views to get any money out of it, which I haven't gotten any out of it yet. But I'm still new on Rumble. It's going to take a while to build an audience over here. Yeah, Rumble is an app, so it may be what kind of phone you're using, she says. Don't know. I just went to, I used my computer to go to it. I've never used my phone to go to it, so I don't even know about the app. I don't even know how that works. I just log on from my desktop. This magnificent thing I got here. Monster. It was a good study, Jake. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it, too. Tomorrow is going to be special, though, so please come to that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like I like the Old Testament. It's very informative. I like the New Testament too, but my my authority, my subject matter is Genesis. That's what I'm really into. That's what I spent the most time studying. Yes, Jake for moderators. Huh? Eh? Huh? What? You are a moderator. So is MVTV. Anyway, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> Finally getting back to normal. I got a bunch of stuff I got to accomplish in the next two weeks. 
But after that, I'll be back to a normal playing field, and I won't be behind anymore, and that's where I hate being behind. That little period after Christmas into the new year, that's rough on me, boy. That's the slowest time of the year for me. Down to eating hot dogs. But, you know, that don't last forever. In another month or so, I'll be rolling in it. That's just the way the nature of my business, unfortunately. It's either high or nothing. I seldom use a computer. I got a tablet. But I left it on the boat last time I was on it. Oh, wow. That's a bad place to have a tablet. Are you on your phone right now? Well, God bless you. I love you all so much. I'll see everybody tomorrow. Good night, April. I love you, sweetheart. Thanks for being here. I enjoyed your company. Tell Kevin I said good night, and I love him too. And send your mail off. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting like a good little boy. I love you, sweetheart. Have a great night. Don't do nothing I wouldn't do. And if you do, name it after me. I'm about ready to shut her down and go to bed. I got to get up early in the morning and get busy. Lots to do. Yes, amen, says April. God bless y'all. Hope y'all had fun tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking this seriously and paying attention. Thank you for asking great questions. If I ever get ahead, it'll probably be the end of the world. Amen, brother. I hear you. Me too. Take one step into the green and the whole thing will cave in on me. Probably. I hear you, Walter. Around Christmas, too busy to get down there. Good night, April. Good night, everybody. Hope you have a great night. I hope you feel blessed, because you are. Godspeed. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 o'clock sharp, right here on Untethered Live. Thanks for watching.